So what we're going to be going through this morning, actually we're going to be all over the place. So I hope you guys brought your Bibles. This is going to be like a sword drill. You guys remember that when you were a kid in Sunday school? Who the, who the fastest could get to the, the, the verse? So it's going to be kind of like that. We're going to be all over this morning. It'll be the same theme though, okay? We'll keep it the same. I'll try not to get on too many bunny trails. But, um, and, uh, you know, it's basically just to condemn sports watching is what it's going to be about. So... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, yeah, let's see you, Rob. <laughs> yeah. No, so this topic this morning, if you guys are taking notes, is going to be being the watcher. And that's what it's going to be about. So a lot of the things in our culture today, you guys know that we watch everything, don't we? I mean, we are in a culture that's completely adapted into watching things. Um, whether it's on, uh, you guys have all the videos. Uh, you can link up to something, you can share all these things, and it's all about looking at something, isn't it? It's looking at some images or being entertained by something or being entertained by sports. And I'm not going to go there this morning, okay? I'm not condemning sports and, and, and uh, you know, any of the YouTube or any of that. Um, so I want to just make that clear. It might sound like that sometimes, but that's not where we're going. In, the, in how our culture watches, it's becoming very dependent on what the ideas are coming across, isn't it? as far as how you're supposed to act, what it looks like. One of the biggest things that's come into our culture is this whole um, uh, reality TV, right? It started clear back in like the 90s. You guys remember, uh, uh, what was it called on MTV? A real, okay, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Real world, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the first ones where they took that step to try to get into people, into their lives and bring out that drama and, and just that nastiness that was there. And now our culture completely just loves and adores that, don't they? Everything they do, now the, the celebrities and everything that our culture is really into and worships is the ones that have the most problems because that's where the drama is and that's where the excitement is and that's where I wonder who's going to blow up on the next person or who's going to hit who or, or what they're going to say about, what's the gossip on this? And it's so sad to see that that's what our culture is getting into, that we're completely all about watching. If you guys look at other religions, look at any of these other religions, look at what their focus is on. Most of the time, it's on images, isn't it? It's on things that are in front of them, things that they can go and touch, these things. It's interesting that it's that way, and here goes our culture diving off that way. And I look at the written word of God and watching that there's a lot of youth walking away from it because it's not very entertaining, is it? And it's sad that they're walking away. And, and you know, older people can condemn that and say, yeah, that's right. And then you get back to reading books and reading what the word of God has to say, right? <laughs> But the thing is, too, for, for those of you that, got eyes that are older, you need to be teaching us younger ones why is there excitement in the Word of God. Because we have to have that. We have to have the older ones come in. The Word of God is very clear on coming and talking to us and training us up and showing us what the excitement is and what the power in the living Word of God is, right? So there's this whole conflict in what's going on, and especially with the church, it's such a hard thing for us to see and want to be a part of those things that we really have to diligently put ourselves into, like, sacrificing time in just reading or just sitting down and praying with God and not being entertained. And it's a hard thing to do. It's a very hard thing to do, especially with there's so much entertainment and it's so easy nowadays. So, uh, you know, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to set up the sermon to bash what, you know, you spend your time on entertainment, um, but rather just to ask you guys to give a good look at, at and an important, com uh, an important command that hasn't been set aside in your life. And what I mean by that is, what's going on? Have you guys set aside, there's a certain command we're going to talk about this morning, watch. He talks to us all the time, and he says, watch. And a lot of times, pray goes with that too, right? Watch and pray. 
Now, have we been setting that aside and not really looking at that command or we're not fully understanding that command? And that's what we're going to go over this morning. And I think it's very, uh, uh, it goes well with what Sean's been teaching because, of course, Revelations, right? He's been teaching us through the book of Revelations. And so many times when God talks about the end times, he asks us or he commands us to watch, doesn't he? And we're so good at watching sports and we're so good at watching these other things. Are we really giving our diligent time to watching for him? Are we being prepared for him to come? And that's the question I want to give you guys, and that's where we're going to go this morning, is look at your lives, and are you watching for him? And we'll see what that means. It's not just looking up to the heavens and waiting in the clouds to see him come back. That's not what it's talking about when it says watch. And there's a lot of times that I get settled, and I get, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to watch for him to come, which means I'm going to just involve myself in a little bit of politics and get to understand what's going on in the world and kind of compare that with prophecy, and that's my watching. That's a tiny little bit of what watching is. And so be careful that you don't just settle on that because it's a very comfortable place and it's an easy place to set. And that's not what he's asking us to do. So let's just pray. Lord, we love you and we just want to get into your word this morning. Lord, we want you to teach us. Uh, just tell us, Lord. Teach us what it means to watch and to be excited about your coming, Lord. And I pray you just speak through me, Lord. Just anoint me with your spirit. Lord, we can get through your word. And uh, Lord, we could just bless you, Lord, and just continue to teach us. And we're excited just to be your servants, Lord. And so... Just bless this morning. Thank you for these guys coming. And uh, Lord, just continue to protect our pastors, use away, and those that are with them, Lord. And we love you. Amen. All right, so let's go over to Matthew. We are going to get into some scripture. Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is going to set us up for watching. Matthew chapter 25, 1 through 13. Do you guys know what Matthew 24 is all about? Just offhand? about the end times, right? I think it's one of my favorites because it's a very shortened version, <laughs> and it just goes right through exactly what's going to happen. And what happened in, before in chapter 24 is the disciples actually come and ask him what's going to be going on. What are the signs? What are we supposed to be looking for? And it's interesting that the disciples are coming to him, and they want to know about it, right? Would you guys consider you guys a disciple of Christ? I think we would, yeah. So wouldn't it be our responsibility also to know and to understand why and what's going to happen? I know I've been approached by some people, and what they say is that, that this stuff's useless. Going over revelations is useless. Like, you get a cool things about Jesus and everything, but why do we really need to know that stuff? Because we're not even going to be here, so why know it? Well, he put it in his word, and he, over and over again, he asks us to watch, to take heed, and to pray, and to understand those things, doesn't he? And here we have the disciples coming to him and asking him what's going to happen. They showed an interest in it. And so if we're true disciples of him, that should be our responsibility as well. So the things that Sean's been going through on Revelations, they are super important to our relationship and what's going on and, and how we obey him. Looking at Matthew 25, 1 through 3. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. For while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And then all, the vir all those virgins and, uh, arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, 
but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I think in that last verse, in verse 13, we can definitely say that this whole parable is about watching, isn't it? Because it says, watch, therefore. After he gives this whole spiel, watch, therefore. The whole point of that was to be watching. Back in the culture and how the weddings used to work, it was actually a fun deal. Uh, it was like a week-long processing deal. And, the, and all the girls, of course, were over with the bride, and all the guys, you know, were with the, with the groom. And what would happen is they would go out and they would collect them. So all the guys from the guys' party would go out and they would go and get all the women. They'd go and take them from their place, and then they'd go back over to the guy's house, and that's where they'd usually do the wedding. And that's where they would have the whole celebration and everything. So if the guys are stalled or whatever is going on, then as they come over there, what's going on is it takes a lot longer, and they all fell asleep. They were, you know, they were waiting for him to come. Well, the foolish ones, they decided, you know what, we can procrastinate. We'll just wait, and we'll see what happens. And we're not going to be really ready to go. And they didn't have any of the oil ready. And we're not going to go into what each little thing means, like what is the oil representing that. It, it, it goes back and forth on, 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 some people think it's the Word of God, some people the Holy Spirit, just because of what in the Scripture. But the main focus I want to focus on is that they weren't ready, were they? They weren't ready. Now, all of them are sleeping, which is interesting, because there's a lot of other Scriptures that say don't sleep. But they're all sleeping, but the, those five were ready to go, weren't they? To go and meet with them, and they were the ones that got to go in. And so in verse 13, watch therefore... Because you know, you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So, like I said before, does this mean that you, we need to, as believers, just be looking for the, him to come in the clouds? Is that what watching means? And as we go on in these scriptures, you guys are going to see that that's not at all what it means. Because to watch, well, let me give you guys the de definition. Here it is. To keep vigil as a devotional exercise to be awake during the night, to be attentive or vigilant, to keep guard, to keep someone or something under close observation, and then the last one, to observe as a spectator. Now, it's interesting, that last one is usually what we want to take, right? To observe as a spectator. Because that's easy. That's, that's a good place to be. Everything that we do in this life right now to entertain ourselves, we're spectators, aren't we? And it's unfortunate because even it's crossed over into the church. I mean, what happens is what people will do is they'll go into the church. Maybe they'll have very little conversation with anybody. They go in, they sit down, they face forward to one person, right? And they're spectators of what's going on. And it's dependent on how much that guy can entertain or that band can entertain whether they'll stick around or not. And then they leave right afterwards, don't want to say anything, don't want to fellowship or any of that. And churches also become another spectator sport. And maybe they'll talk about how they didn't agree or disagree with, you know, whatever was going on there. But it's a complete thing where n nobody's involved anymore. And it's a sad place that the church has even gone, isn't it? That's why we try to really stress those small groups and everything, because we really get to get together and, and get to understand each other and know each other. And that's why we love when you guys afterwards or before we get together, because that's why we come together as a fellowship. Teaching just one of the aspects of having church in the morning, isn't it? So... Uh, our culture's been training us to be spectators. It's crept in almost every part of our lives. You guys can even see it in your family, right? And how would you see it in your family? Well, everybody will resolve their own issue, and I'm going to stick to myself, and, and we'll just stick that way. 
and, and I'm going to spectate what's going on rather than stepping in. Another one is, is that work. I mean, how many of us are just quiet at work? We don't want to say anything, don't want to cause any problems. We'll just watch all the mischief going on and, the, and spectate on all the, the worldly things going on. <laughs> but we'll stay on our own side, you know? In our downtime, I mean, we, we'd, we'd love just to spectate because it's a nice, comfortable, easy place where we don't have to expend any energy in it, right? So it's a lot easier to sit back and watch. However, this is not what we've been commanded to do in this type of watch, uh, to be a watcher. So there's three different watchers that we're going to look at. This is three different ones that we can be. There's a doorkeeper, there's a soldier, and there's a prepper. Okay? We'll see all of those and how we're going to be. And the prepper is a really weird one. I don't We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, with the doorkeeper, if you guys go over to Mark 13. Mark 13, 32. Mark 13, 32 says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now, how many of you guys, especially you guys, your wife's gone away from the weekend, and you have all the kids, and maybe the house gets a little messy? And the dishes get piled up. You always got to have a kid that sits at the door and watches for you to see when your wife's coming home so you can make sure you get everything cleaned up, right? You got to warn, like, if she's coming right then, you better just throw it in the closet and she can deal with it later, or <laughs> we can deal with it later. <laughs> but you got to have that out, you know, that, that person that's posted there to watch and see what's going to happen. I remember there was a time, and you, you guys, this is definitely not for you guys that love animals. Um, we had a Maltese growing up. I don't know if you guys know what a Maltese is. They're a little white dog. They've had the brains bred out of them. They don't, they don't act right anymore. My mom got one. She loved this little dog, okay? We used to just have, it was a blast because the, the dog was so dopey. But there was a time that my mom was gone for the weekend, and our dog got sprayed by a skunk. And, you know, they're bright white, and they're really, they are pretty dogs when they're all brushed out and everything. She just got this yellow all over her from this skunk. She's rolling around outside, and we're laughing. <laughs> and so my dad calls up my mom and says, what do you want to do about your dog? She's like, what are you talking about? Well, I just got sprayed by a skunk. She's like, you better let her in because she's going to get, you know, she'll freeze outside. And so my dad's like, there's no way I'm letting that dog in. We ended up giving it a bath and everything, but my dad, because he didn't really want to give it a bath, he didn't want to do those things for that dog, he ended up, we went and got some uh, black uh, hair dye. And so <laughs> we painted her like a skunk. If she's going to smell like a skunk, we wanted her to look like a skunk. <laughs> that was kind of my dad's way of getting back at my mom for having us deal with the dog. Um, but anyways, where the lookout comes is because we knew my mom was coming home with my grandma. And so we all hid out in the garage, and our garage was separate from our house. And here we are, three lookouts, you know, me and my brother and my dad all peeking out of the door with a crack. Ooh, my mom came home, and that dog, we heard her go inside, and she's all, you just hear her scream and yelling for my dad, Nolan! And we're like, oh no. 
And she comes busting out of that house, slams the door, you know, and comes out there, and we lock the door in the garage, and she's just pounding away, <laughs> you know, going after us. You better clean up my dog and going off. It was, and it, and it wasn't a permanent hair dye. I have to say that. It was like a Halloween stuff, so it washed right out. Uh, tested on animals, so it was okay. <laughs> no, she survived, at least that one. Um, but just that lookout, you know, having that watch, like, what's the reaction? What's going to happen? How do we get ready for it? What's, you know, do we lock the doors? Is she happy about it? Is she mad about it? As the doorkeeper, what happens is you really have to watch out. Now, look over in Luke 12. Luke 12 will give us a little bit more. Did I even read Mark? I did. Did I? <laughs> That's what I thought. Luke 12. See what happens when I get on this bunny trail. Luke 12, 35. Luke 12, 35, it says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and he knocks, they may open it to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had not, had known, uh, wait, sorry, let me start that over. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That first part where it's talking about being ready and opening up that door immediately. See, that's a whole preparedness because like that whole scenario with you dads and wait until your wife comes home last minute. If you're already prepared and everything and you already had the house looking good, you're excited to see them because they'll come home and be like, wow, you did such a nice job, you know, and, 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 and it feels good because you're like, yes, I helped out my wife. Uh, everybody's happy. And it's a thing that immediately you can open up that door. It's not like hold them off, keep them out, we got to hide something or, or however it goes. As that door keeper and the way that we should be and how we do it is, is we're ready to open up the door. And that's one of the ways that we watch. Because it talks about watching. If you guys are going to watch as that doorkeeper, are you guys ready to open up that door? And being ready to open up that door is what is the life looking like? Is it something you guys are going to be caught off guard? I like that one over in Mark where it's talking about, it, it reminds me like usually a guy will be there and it says that he gave charge to all the servants in the household. So what they're supposed to do is the business and everything that's going on with the house, they're supposed to keep it running while the master's away, right? They're supposed to be obedient in what he's asked them to do. And then they have a doorkeeper and the master asked the doorkeeper, you watch this door. The reason doorkeeper watches the door is to protect, doesn't he? Back in this time, it was a door, it was a gate, is what would happen. And they would have a person that would protect from other things coming in and polluting, you know, or other people coming in. And so their job was protection. The other thing was to see when, it was a joyful thing, when somebody was coming. So they can see it far off. It wasn't just like they had the door closed and they were kind of like waiting to see what would happen behind it. They were, they were waiting there and looking out and seeing what's about to come. So one of the things that happens is that you get to see the signs and the times. And that's where it does come in to where it is a good thing to be invested in prophecy and what we see in the Word of God and what's happening right now in the world. To close our eyes to it would be a foolish thing to do because we're supposed to be praying for our fellow believers out there, aren't we? Those that are being persecuted. Word of God is very clear on that. We're supposed to be praying for those times and we're supposed to be praying that the Lord comes quickly. 
And he talks about it, and we're going to go over it a little bit later in, in Thessalonians. It says it's not supposed to come on us as a thief in the night, which is interesting because that means that we should kind of know about what's going to happen. We see those things going on. So being that doorkeeper, you get to look out, and you get to see maybe the dust of the master coming back, right? And then you tell the guys, hey, he's coming back. Let's, let's be 100% ready. Let's be ready to open up this door. And so as a watcher or doorkeeper in our own lives, where are you guys at? Are you guys ready to open up that door? Have you been start standing guard to those things coming into your life? Have you been that filter as far as what you've been allowing to come into your life? Your time that you're investing, where is that going? Have you become a spectator? Or is it one of those things that we're watching? How are we dealing with our lives? And are we that, that doorkeeper he's asked us, ready to open the door as soon as he comes? The second one, the soldier. In 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. And this one's about the soldier. And this is like, how are we supposed to be a watcher as a soldier? It says, but concerning the times, and this is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains among pregnant women. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should come overtake you as a thief. That's right there what I just talked about. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. And so we know the soldier. That's one of the big classic ones because we think of a watchtower, right? We think of a soldier that's supposed to be, he's at his post and he's watching for the enemy to come in or to try to do something. And, he, and the thing is, is that the soldiers are prepared. Now, you guys have seen a lot of great movies out there that have like uh, the whole getting ready for battle, right? Uh, there's Braveheart, there's Gladiator, there's uh, We Were Soldiers, there's, you know, Saving Private Ryan, all these different ones. You guys see that as soon as they know that war's out there, and then it comes upon them, they're not just sitting in their pajamas or in their nice relaxing clothes, are they? They have their armor ready to go, don't they? Because it'd be foolish if they didn't. I mean, can you guys imagine that here's this whole army, they know that this other one's coming up against them, and they're like, you know what, when they get here, we'll go ahead and get dressed, but that stuff's so heavy, you know, and it's burdensome to carry around, like I have to spend time dealing with it, and I don't really want to deal with it right now, because it's a lot better at where I'm at. <laughs> And I'll just wait till those guys come. And then what ends up happening? You guys know that there's scripture in the Old Testament that talks about those things where God surprises another army that they're not ready. And what happens? You guys remember Gideon? There's complete confusion. All the guys end up killing themselves, right? Because they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. And so when it's talking about in this scripture and how it gives us this identification with soldiers, it's because you guys know there's a war going on right now, right? There's a spiritual warfare that we're involved in. And it'd be foolish if we did not wear these things. 
it would be, wouldn't it? And over in Ephesians, it gives us even more detail on to what are the different things we can wear. But right here, it focuses just on what? The vital organs, doesn't it? It focuses on the head and the chest. And you guys know even as uh, the police officers nowadays, usually when they're going to go in somewhere, usually that's the main things they protect, don't they? They have their bulletproof vest and they have a helmet because those are the vital parts. So what other question I would present you guys is, as they were soldiers and watch people, what are you guys protecting? And like I said, you can be burdensome to have to carry that stuff around or to shine it up, make it look good, or it can be hard to keep going back and stepping out on faith, doesn't it? Look what it says right there. It says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So are we putting on that breastplate of faith and love? Are we stepping on that faith and God's asked us? Are we actually going back and looking at 1 Corinthians 3 and seeing what love is all about? And are we doing that? Is that something that we're maintaining? And then with the salvation and the helmet of the hope of salvation, is that something where you guys put your hope? Or do you guys put your hope in the Broncos? <laughs> right? If they lose today, are you guys going to be all right? I'm not trying to curse them at all, but <laughs> is it going to be an okay thing? You know, and, and that's just a joking thing, but seriously, look at your guys' lives. Where do we put our hope at? Is our hope in our work? If you guys were to get fired or something would happen where you can't work anymore, is that where your hope lies? Is it all, is it all lost if you guys, if you can't go to work? No. Our hope is so much deeper than that. You guys know that we're just here for a little bit of time and then we get to be in eternity with him. That hope of looking forward, that hope of salvation. And it's such an awesome thing because it puts a whole different perspective on our lives and it makes us ready, right? It makes us want to watch. It makes us not want to be just a spectator, but to get involved and to obey and ask, do what he's asked us to do. And I think it's interesting that this one, I love the soldier one because it actually gives us stuff that we can do. It, you know, it puts it into layman's terms of here's what it looks like to watch. And let me give you guys these four points. And we already talked about two of them, put on the breastplate of faith and love. That's something we need to do when we're watching. It's not the spectator deal to watch for him and what it talks about. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. The other one is put on the helmet of hope and salvation. And this is something we do daily. Here's the two other ones at the very end of the, the in verse 11. Therefore, we comfort each other. That's another thing that we do when we're watching. When we're preparing, this is how we clean house before mom comes home, <laughs> is that we watch, we comfort each other. And then the last one is that we edify one another. So are those things going on as you watch for Jesus' return? These are part of watching. The third one, this is going to be the prepper. We'll see if this fits, because I was trying to look for another word, but we'll see. And the prepper basically, and I want to look at this side of a prepper, is the prepper is the one that's being ready to prevent loss, okay? I mean, that's in, in essence, you guys, have, have you guys ever watched that show, Preppers? No? It's good for the first episode, I think, and then you're kind of bored of it because everyone's the same afterwards. They all collect beans and rice. <laughs> you know, that's kind of then it ends. They do make some really cool containers, though, let me tell you about that. Like, these containers, the handrail shoots flames out of it. You know, as you go down into their bunker, crazy stuff, just so they can keep people away from getting their things. That's why Prepper came to mind is because they want to prevent loss. They will hold it down, and, and I don't want to mock anybody, any of the Preppers. I mean, maybe somebody in here is a Prepper. They go for it. Not here to tell you what to do. 
But one of the things that we look at in being ready is that's what he's asked us to do. That's part of watching. You guys know that a prepper, they watch for those disasters. They watch for the things to go so that they can go down into the little turtle shell, right? And they can be safe and they can guard all their stuff to keep everybody else away from it to prevent loss and to protect their family. So let's go over and read Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And this is the same thing as basically, it's just another version. In verse 37, but as the days of Noah were all, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, and one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so looking at that scripture, right there, the people have no idea what's going on, do they? It talks about going back to the time of Noah. When you guys watched that awesome video that was right along with the scripture called Noah, did you guys see that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, good. If you're laughing, I know you've seen it because you see how ridiculous it was. The only part I want to take from that is really they did portray it that they had no idea what was coming, right? They thought Noah was a fool in what he was doing. And the thing is, when we look back at the history, there wasn't anything like rain or anything that had happened like that on the earth. And so for this guy to proclaim that that's what's going to happen and that not only is there going to be rain, this water that falls from heaven, but also it's going to make it so none of us can live. Like you have to have a big thing called a boat that goes on top of the water. Completely just different from all their thinking. They hadn't had to deal with any of this stuff. And so back in the time of Noah, what he was trying to drive home, Jesus is saying in this point, it's going to be like that. They're, not, they're going to think it's foolishness. They're not going to know what's going on. But yet Noah, how long did he prepare? Do you guys remember? It's 100 years, right? That guy was just trucking away and he's building this massive ark, obeying what God had asked him to do. And he's never seen rain. He's never gone through that. And we uh, went through Noah on one of the sermons and just an awesome man, a man of faith and how he was just so diligent to listen to what God had to say to him and follow and obey him. So you look at this whole world and they're just like, you know what, whatever, that's foolishness to believe what you're talking about, but he was prepared to go. And then it goes on and it talks about the man, the, the master of the house, that if he knew that the thief was coming, he'd be prepared, wouldn't he? Now, how many of you guys have had a thief break into your house? Horrible experience, isn't it? I mean, you just, you go in your house, it's ransacked, or maybe you were even there in the middle of the night, which is a scary deal. And it's a horrible situation because your life has just been violated. Somebody else has come into your life and taken what you've attained, right? And it's, it gets very personal in how it's done. I remember, uh, you know, in Costa Rica, everybody just breaks into houses. It's, if you have an easy house to break into, they're going to go out, they're opportunists. Uh, not all the people, I'm not saying that, but the guys that are, are mostly the addicts and stuff, though. They're opportunists. So if you have something 
that's easy to get into, it will for sure be gone. And we tell people when uh, they would come to visit us, do not leave anything on the seat of your car. <laughs> and if you're going to, just roll down the window. That way you don't have to pray, pay for the broken window because <laughs> they are getting into your car and they will take whatever's on that seat. Well, we were borrowing some people's car uh, and it was kind of, our house was set back from the property and we had this short little fence. Super, I don't know why we had it because most everything there has like a wall in front of the house and razor wire and everything around it. And uh, so, of course, the batteries and machetes and everything got stolen out of my friend's car. And I was bummed because it's, here's I am, you know, borrowing this thing from him and all this stuff gets stolen. So I was bummed about it. And then we ended up, you know, it went for a while. And, and uh, I think the next month we had to borrow somebody else's car. And the same thing happens. They jumped over the fence, stole the battery out of the car. So I was like, that's it. I am going to wait for them to come. I'm going to put something out there that's appealing to them, and I'm going to wait for my, them to come with my uh, uh, air gun because I didn't have a gun then. So I was thinking, and it's a, a high, powerful gun, let me tell you that. It would have definitely put it in them. So I'm just waiting there, and I'm like, I'm going to get my revenge. I'm going to take these guys out. And so I put something up closer to the house, and I sat in this chair. I moved it over in front of the window, and I set my alarm because I knew they were coming about 2 to 4, somewhere in there, and I just waited and waited. How many of you guys ever waited for a thief to come? Am I the only one on that one? All right. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> so <laughs> let me give you my experience with that. It doesn't work. You will fall asleep. It is tiring. You're just, you just get more angry because they're not coming, and you're just like, dude, I just want to put a little pellet in your butt. So <laughs> just show up at my door, please. I could not get this guy, right? So what I ended up doing is I found those little uh, where you enter into a store, and it's all bing bong, you know, that, that little noise, and I put that up by my door on the outside so he can't see it. Like, all right, I'm going to get this guy. One night I hear it go off. And I'm like scrambling out of bed, you know, trying to get on falling over everything. And I hear that guy scrambling too outside the door. And I'm trying to run out there. And I just hear him jump over our fence. And there's, there was bushes in front of it and a nasty trash. I mean, down there you leave the trash out front and disgusting things happen with it. That guy ate it so hard. Man, I heard his body thump on that ground. Boom! And he's like, ugh! <laughs> and I'm like, Yes! <laughs> You know, and my trash bin was all over the place and all this trash scattered everywhere. But, you know, he took off. And, he, and after that, we ended up getting Tonka, our dog. And nobody entered our yard after that. But up until that point, I, I don't remember how many nights I sat out there waiting for this guy to come. And I was just like, I'm going to get this thief. If only I would have known when the thief was going to come. Because I would have been prepared, right? Like when you guys, if somebody was going to tell you, guess what? One of my friends is talking to me and says they're going to come and rob your business or your, your house tonight. What would you do? You'd be foolish just to be like, uh, nah, that's okay. Or, you know, I'll wait until right at that moment, and we'll see if I can catch him. I mean, that'd be foolish. If we knew that a thief was going to come, ooh, yeah. We'd have some fun. It'd be like uh, Home Alone. Remember that movie? <laughs> We'd set it up and be prepared. Have all these different devices, you know, the tiger in the hole, so they fall in there and get, you know. We'd have all these different traps set up for him, or we'd be just ready with the police, or however you would go about it. But the thing is, is that you would be prepared. You would not just let the thief come in there. And Jesus is not trying to say, that, you know what, I'm a robber, and I'm going to come and steal everything. His whole thing that he's presenting to us is, you guys need to be ready. I've given you when I'm going to be coming. It's going to be soon, and it's going to look like, and it gives us in the scriptures, it says it's like uh, uh, the labor pains of a woman, right? You guys that have had kids, especially more than one, you get kind of used to like when, you know, your wife or you, if you are the wife, are going to have the baby. You know, like when it starts getting harder and harder and harder and, and you start 
being meaner to your husband, it's, it's getting closer to go, <laughs> to go to the hospital, right? And a lot of times it's horrible because you get there and they're like, yeah, what, what are those, uh, um, what did they call them? Yeah, I hated those. Those were just wrong. Especially with your first kid, you're so excited about having a baby and you're just like, this is just wrong. Why are we having all these false ones? So you know that the time's coming close, right? And he's just asking us to be prepared. Are we going to be prepared? And the things that we're prepared is if a thief would come is, how is the house looking? How is your guys' life looking right now? Where, where are we at right now? Are we prepared? I mean, he's already told us he's coming back. And it says right in Thessalonians that it shouldn't be as a thief to us. It shouldn't be a big surprise to us when he does come. And so we're supposed to watch, right? Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15. First Corinthians three, nine through fifteen. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. And you guys know this is Paul talking to the church. So we are God's field, we are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, right? That, that stone, that cornerstone. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it. And talking about the day of the Lord. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures... He will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And what it's talking about there is, what are we doing? What are we doing with the things that God has given us? He's given us all these resources, and that's, it goes right along with this. These resources that maybe we can just look at, you know, he's talking about a thief coming in. Well, these resources have been given to us. All the things in your guys' house, you know, it's been given to you by God, hasn't it? Maybe you went out and bought them, but he's given you the, the health to be able to go work. He's given you the job to do it. And you look at these spiritual resources that he's given us. And now what's going on with it? When we get up there and it says that we're going to get a reward, are we just building on this foundation of Jesus Christ with other people's lives? Or are we just doing it with wood, hay, and stubble? Is it stuff that when we get to heaven, he's going to be like, that was all fluff. That was all about you. That was about you getting glorified. That was about you just trying to look good in religion. That was just about you trying to do your own works. All that's loss. All that meant nothing. And then you look at how was it built? Was it built with these precious stones, this gold and this silver? Did, was the word of God involved? Did, the, did, the, did you rely on the Holy Spirit for his power and working and building on Jesus Christ? Because those are the things that last, right? Was it all for God's glory? Was it for you? And so is all that stuff ready? And just by being ready... Right now in your life, is it, is it time to just cut off and stop doing the things that you've been doing as far as it's been very selfish? It's been about you. It's not been about glorying God. It's not been about going to the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those times it's like, okay, you know what? He keeps telling me to watch. 
which means wake up, because there's so many times where it's paired with they were sleeping. You guys even remember in the garden, he says, watch. Well, with that sleeping, it's like you go to rest, and you're like, I, you know what? I'm comfortable. I'll take care of it later. But this is one of those times that Jesus is coming back quick. That's why God has asked Sean to go through Revelations, and he asked, right now, I don't remember who was talking to me. I can't remember who it was. They were talking about how many pastors right now are going through Revelation. And it's an interesting deal because, you know, he is coming back quick. If you guys know anything about the politics and what Sean's been telling us and, and discovering through the news, it's like, wow, this is getting really neat because it's getting close. And praise God for that. So because it's getting closer, how serious am I going to take it? Or is it just one of those things where, you know what he's done to this? Every generation, I'm just that other generation he's doing it to. Uh, I'm getting to heaven, so that's pretty much what I'm concerned with. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a spectator and watch. It's easier. I like it, you know. I'll go put my shirt on, my sports shirt on, go Jesus, and uh, we'll hang back. You know, but really he's asking us just to step up and take those resources he's given us. So let's go over to, I'm sure you guys know where we're going to go to, over into Mark again. Go over to, or maybe it was, no, sorry, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew 25. See, right after he gives the whole what's going to happen in the future in, in chapter 24, which I encourage you guys to read that. It's a great, uh, um, just shorter version of what Revelations is all about. But right after he gives those to the disciples, he gives three different parables to them about these guys that, at the very first one, it's in chapter 24 at the very end in, in verse 45. And he, it's just a faithful servant and the evil servant. And then you have the, the parable that we went through with the virgins. And then you have the, in chapter 25, verse 14, you have the parable of the talents. And I know you guys have heard this one before, but it goes right along with watching. And it goes right along with being ready to prevent loss. And what it talks about, and this is some of those spiritual gifts that he's given us. And so it says, uh, for the kingdom of heaven, in verse 14 of chapter 25, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. Now a talent is like a, it was a, um, it was a, your salary for the year. That's about how much it was. Okay, so it was a lot of money. So what this first guy, he's given five talents in verse 15 to another two talents and to another one. To each according to his own ability and immediately he went on a journey. And then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two talents, two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents be besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And in verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid I w and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. 
You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have disposed of money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he who will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he does, even what he has will be taken away. And cast an unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is a pretty heavy duty <laughs> parable, isn't it? And the whole gist of it is, the thing is, is that he gave to each one his ability, didn't he? It wasn't that the guy that had five and made five more was the better, or the two and the two and the, or the one. It says at the very beginning they gave to their ability. God knows us, doesn't he? So he gives to our ability, but then what are we going to do with it? He gives us his spiritual truth, the gospel message. What have we done with it? He's rescued you guys from so much sin and a disgusting life before him. What have you done with it? Has it been invested into other people's lives that maybe had the same background? Because that's what he's talking about, is those spiritual resources that he's given. How are they, they going to come back to him when he, gives, he comes to see what kind of account and to give those rewards out? Is it going to be something that's just burned away? And so that's part of watching is being careful. What are we doing, guys? Are we being diligent with those things that he's given us? Is it something those children that he's given us in our lives, have we been diligent to raise them and train them up in the Lord? Now they have their own decisions after they get out of the house, right? Parents' biggest fear, I'm scared to death. I have a lot of you guys I get to go to because I know you guys are going through hard times and you know, hopefully I don't have to go through that, but you never know. I mean, the kids have to make their own choices when they become adults. But our jobs as parents and what he's given us is he's given us the word of God and that authority in our children's lives to teach them and to raise them up, right? That's one way of those talents being dished out and given and producing more, you know? So have more babies. You know, I have four. I got one talent. I got four coming out. <laughs> so you go, I don't know. Buttons have his beat, so we'll just stay there. <laughs> no, it's good. But be diligent with what you guys have been given. The last thing I want to go on is that watching always has a partner, doesn't it, in the scriptures? What's always there with watching? Praying, right? Praying always goes hand in hand with watching. Let's look over in Luke 21. Luke 21, 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come, upon, come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore, again, watch therefore, and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Right there, hand in hand, another one, Ephesians 6.18. Ephesians 6.18. And this is right there where it talks about more of the, you know, the things that we need to be putting on as a soldier. In verse 17, we'll start there just to have a complete sentence. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being what? Watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then the last one over in 1 Peter 4, 7. Told you we were going to go all over. 
1 Peter 4, 7. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I like that one because it says, be watchful in your prayers. How do you guys do that? Well, that would be going before the Lord and, and, and talking with him, wouldn't it? And going through the different things that are going on in your life. Those things that we talked about and being prepared and watching and being that doorkeeper and being that soldier and being that prepper, what's happening is that we go to him in prayer and God is included in this whole thing. Because here's the deal is if you take those different things and you eliminate God out of the whole picture, and I'm not, I'm not saying like you still look like you have God involved in it, but then you get so involved in this, it gets to be a dangerous place, doesn't it? There's many people that what they do is that they'll start looking at all the prophecy, they'll start looking at all the signs, and they really start looking at only one point of watching, that focusing of watching, just looking at prophecy, and that's all they go to. They don't look at what it means to prepare the life. They don't look at all these other scriptures that talk about that, being that doorkeeper, being that soldier, and that prepper. They're only concerned about the prophecy and what's going on right now. And what ends up happening, and you guys have seen this, is that they then declare a date that Jesus is coming back, Right? They are for sure that this is the day that he's coming back. And they might even rely on some revelation that they've gotten. You know, there's pastors out there that have declared, this is the day that he's coming back because he told me. There's a whole religion set up around a guy that that's exactly what he did. And he failed three times at it. Actually, four. He didn't get to see the last time because he died before that. Um, but he was all about telling everybody when Jesus is going to come back. And he had to make up a lie that said, oh, he came back spiritually. And only those with spiritual eyes can see him. And that's how they got away with Jesus coming back rather than being in the physical. And that's what happens is if a person gets so focused and they don't include God in that, and the watching just becomes a whole, basically, I'm only going to see when this is going to happen so that I can tell everybody when it's going to happen. That's not what God was wanting, was he? He's wanting us to focus on what's going on in your guys' lives. Are you guys ready for Christ to return? And with that, we have to have prayer. We have to have prayer going along with it. And I like how it says, be watchful in your prayers. Now, the thing is, are we, key, are we praying regularly and are we keeping Jesus or the Lord as our, as our center as we watch? And prayer must be a part of it. So here's what we're going to conclude in. And you guys, the worship team can go ahead and come up. Don't treat the command to watch as a spectator. Don't be a spectator when he asks us to watch. It's not the route to go. But instead, as Jesus asks us to, he says, watch and pray. And this is over Matthew. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And if that doesn't tell you that that's not a spectator sport, <laughs> I don't know what will. That verse is so clear on it's talking about dealing with the life and what's going on and not falling into that temptation, watching out. So we're to be doorkeepers. We need to be ready to open up that door to our master, don't we? It's an exciting thing that he's coming. It's awesome. But be ready, looking for the master, looking for the dust to come, and being ready and having all those people that you're, maybe the Lord's put you over, like we're all ready. Yes, we're ready to open up this door. Be the soldiers that are ready for our commander, that we're ready to go to battle. Don't wait till the last minute to get all that stuff on, guys. Don't wait till the last minute to dedicate time to the Lord and start just work, you know, praying with Him and, and spending that time with Him. Don't wait till the last minute. It doesn't work. And the last one, we're going to be preppers or the spiritual preppers and, and just to prevent loss. 
I mean, all the things you guys are doing right now, it is so important what's going on in our lives right now and what he's asked us to do, hasn't it? If it wasn't, he would've, we were getting saved, and then he would have taken us right up, right? Isn't that how that would have worked? But he's got something for us. He's got a plan. And these things that he's given us, these talents that he's given us, be wise in using them to his glory. What a celebration it'll be to be before him and say, Lord, here's what I did with what you gave me. That grace you poured out on me because I was such a horrible sinner, I poured it out on all these other people over here. They had a lot of wrongs, and, and they weren't right, and I gave it all to them just like you gave it to me. What a great celebration it'll be to be with him, right? Because he'll be like, yeah, that's my servant, you know? I want, here, you're going to take this now. You're responsible for this, and you get that reward. So what a great thing. So I encourage you guys, let's keep watching. Let's be very diligent in how we're going to do this with the Lord, and we get to encourage each other, right? Comfort each other, and that God will be blessed in the end. It'll be exciting union with him. We get to just put it all in front of him and be like, here you go, Lord. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you so much for, you know, even giving us the talents that you see that we can be responsible with, that you have that precious um, jewels that you give us, Lord, and just in your gospel and what you've done. And we have such a powerful message for this world, Lord, and I ask you give us that boldness that we'd be brave to be able to share it, Lord, and, and the grace that needs to be poured out on other people, Lord, like you've done to us, that we would do that that forgiveness that you've given us, Lord, that we would forgive others. There's just so many things that you've given us so that we can turn around and give it to the other people. Like in 1 Corinthians, in, in comfort, Lord, uh, you've given us comfort so we can comfort others. And Lord, we just praise you for that. And I just thank you for teaching us over and over again. And uh, just your patience with us especially, Lord. You're such a good God to us, and you truly are a Father that's just ready to hold our hand and take us through these things. So Lord, we do want to honor you. Lord, we want to bless your name, and we can't wait for that union with you, Lord. We can't wait to sit down at that marriage feast with you and just be united with you forever, all eternity, Lord. What an exciting time. And Lord, I just pray for these guys. I pray that you protect them and keep them from the enemy and all the thoughts that he throws in their minds, Lord. I pray that they'd be diligent just as I pray that I would be diligent with you, Lord. And I take it very serious what you've given me and the life that I have with you right now. And Lord, we just love you and want to praise you and just give you honor this morning. Amen. So I'll stand together. Blessed be your name, land that is plentiful, streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, when I'm found in the desert place, when I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. You give, give and take away, give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Give and take away, 
take away my heart will choose to say oh blessed be your name blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful the streams of abundance flow blessed be your name Blessed be your name, found in the desert place, I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be your glory. Blessed be your glorious name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good, good one.